everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. Today, I am so excited to sit down with three amazing leaders that I get to do life and ministry with. The first one is Carmen Ashong. She and her husband, Ian, they lead our creative teams and our films teams here at the church. And I also have Natalie Ferguson. She's one of our young adults pastors. And of course, the amazing Lisa Duval. She's an incredible leader, and we have served in ministry together now for nearly 25 years. So I think they're going to ask us some pretty spicy questions. A while back, we asked you as our listeners to send in some questions about leadership, relationships, and even spiritual formation. And so many of you sent in so many great questions that we are dedicating an entire episode and a future episode to just talk about what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Carmen and Natalie, they're going to be hosting this conversation, and I know that you're going to love them just like I do. So let's jump into the conversation. I'm pretty excited because Today, the tables are just going to get turned a little bit. So yes. we're kind of going to be on the hot seat, Lisa. I love it. I love being on the hot seat. Are you ready for me to be on the hot seat? I'm not sure, but okay. yeah. All right. But I trust these girls more than I trust you. So. As you should. Yeah, okay. That's good. So we figured we'd take it light and fun and start with a few fun questions. We know that you ladies have been friends for a really long time. So we thought it would be fun to ask you how well you know each other. I'm ready. And um, Nat, if you want to start with the first question. Yes. So the first question, I'm going to count you down, and you're going to say your answers at the same time. Okay. Okay. So the first question is, what is Pastor Lisa's favorite color? So one, two, three. Black. Oh, didn't say anything. <laughs> She's cheating. She was waiting to hear if I was going to start with blue. Blue. It was, but you know what I was going to say? I was going to say blue. So oh, I know black is your blue. favorite to wear, but yeah. I was thinking you were kind because you're like a, a technically black is a color. You know? Yeah, you're right. So yeah, actually, blue. I was right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be, yeah. yeah. We'll move on to the next question. What is Pastor Julie's favorite dessert? Cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> She's not even doing any of this right. She's supposed to. She wants to win on everything. Enneagram three. Enneagram three. What were you gonna okay. say? <laughs> what were you I gonna was say? gonna say anything fruity. Oh, anything oh, fruity. Yeah. That counts. That's that true. Cool. Yeah. Count that. Which cherry pie? So we both were right. Yeah. Okay. We both are winners. And don't you have a famous cherry pie? What's yes. that? That yeah. you make? Yes. So yeah. and it's fruity. So it is fruity. So we along together so well. So. Yeah. We were both right. Go ahead. That's All right. right. <laughs> Next question is, what is Pastor Lisa's nickname for you, Pastor Julie? Oh. One, two, three. Ponytail. Ponytail. Yes. <gasps> okay. We have to hear about this. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, Pastor Julie does have an amazing ponytail. Wow. And so I just think she has its power in the pony, you know. Oh, it's so good. So she's got her ponytail, you know, you know, you know things we are going to happen. We need a tutorial, yeah, There actually this. is another nickname that I have for her, and it's Pastor Breezy. Yes, yes. That's because another. one time she tucked her dress into her underwear and was walking around for all to see. It, was, oh, it can't be unseen. Pastor Breezy, that's right. But they, both of those names are names that I never knew about for years. So, yes. um, But her nickname 
that oh, you, you want to ask my nickname for her? Oh, yes. Okay. So, ready? Yes. One, two, three. Aunt, Aunt Shanaynay. <laughs> yeah. So that isn't what I call her, but that is what my kids call her because she is all about shenanigans. It is Aunt, Aunt Shanaynay. Very so, wow. yeah. yeah. I love, love that. It. I love that name. Yeah. We're both winners, Lisa. It's second to my second favorite name next to Mama. I like Aww. being called Mama. It's a Southern mm-hmm. way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bonus for everyone. That's good. And we'll go on to our final question. Pastor Julie, what would Pastor Lisa prefer for vacation? The beach or mountains? One, two, three. The beach. beach. That is awesome. We're in the right spot. Yeah, you guys passed the test. I think I did better than you thought I was going to. Yeah, we actually both did fantastic. (laughs) So I know in this season, in the last few podcasts, we've been speaking of relationships. Mm -hmm. A few of the girls of the house wanted to know some things. So we'll go ahead and jump in and start with one of the questions that they send in. What do you do when a relationship is stuck in a negative cycle, whether it be romantically dating friends, family, work? That's a loaded question, but you can break it down for us. Right. Um, I When I saw this question, I was thinking the first thing that I know that I need to do, but it isn't always necessarily instinctively, mm-hmm. is I need to make way for God to speak into that mm-hmm. and great. hear from Him on what that's about. What do I need to learn? What do I need to navigate? Sometimes I would actually create some distance in the relationship, and that yeah. is really more of an art, not a science. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to come out with, I'm setting boundaries with you, Carmen. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm like, um, giving a little bit of space naturally, logistically, to be able to hear from God and um, learn what it is that I need to learn or how I can navigate and strength to keep things intact and in uni- have unity there. Now, unfortunately, most of the time in my experience when I hear from God, it's about me. So it's usually something that I need to do and grow in personally, either not be so sensitive or maybe reframe the situation. Um, I think one of our tendencies, I I don't know if this is gender related, but it's a human problem is we tend to go to other people to try Mm -hmm. to process I had this interaction with Carmen. What do you think? Then I go to the next person. I had this interaction with Carmen. So what do you think? And so, um, and then it's really not that's gossip. But you know, I want to go. If I say anything about you, it'd be in a positive light. But going to God and going, help me know how we can be stronger because I know this. He wants us to be stronger, yeah. and He wants us to have unity of heart. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're always gonna get along or agree on all things. Right. That's, that's good. so good. I think when you said. Um, Open, giving space, right? Mm-hmm. Giving space for God to work. Mm-hmm. And um, the two things that came to my mind when I thought about a negative cycle, I started thinking about the spin cycle in a washing machine, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I don't know about you, but when I've had too much in the washing machine, it just starts like making a lot of noise. It sounds like a spaceship <laughs> yes. or something. And so you go in and you press pause. And I think mm-hmm. that was what you were saying. You know, yeah. you just had to press pause to be able to get some perspective because whenever you're in a negative cycle, whether it's in a conversation with your husband or whether, um, or a boyfriend or a friend, and um, whether it's a conversation or whether it's this, you know, unhealth mm-hmm. that starts to happen, um, it's really a warning sign. Like something is wrong. Wow. There's either something wrong with you. There's something wrong with the dynamic. Mm-hmm. There's just something wrong. And yeah. so you have to kind of step back and be able to diagnose that. And I, at first, I, I started thinking, you know, first of all, I think that we need to diagnose the the cycle, the negative cycle, because there's some. It's a warning sign. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. the fact that you're in a negative cycle, God's trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, again, maybe something about yourself, but it might be, you know, 
identifying that relationship. Um, I, I think that there are some relationships that someone might be in that they need to walk away from. Right. Uh-huh. You know, if mm-hmm. it's someone that's having a ne- if you're in a negative cycle that's having a negative influence on you, if it's pulling you away from God's best for you, that you know, the the fact that you're getting into arguments and disagreements and find yourself in an unhealthy place is actually a warning sign that God's trying to get you out of that. And so yeah. I think about Proverbs 13, 20, it says, when you walk with the wise, that you're going to become wise. But if you associate with fools, you're going to get mm-hmm. into trouble. Mm-hmm. And so God cares about who we hang out with. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Mm-hmm. That's in Corinthians. And so um, so sometimes you have to break the cycle by by stepping out of a relationship that's taking you down a road that you don't need to go on. That's not all relationships. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. believe me, I'm not condoning anybody to walk away from their marriage because you're in a negative cycle right <laughs> that's now. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm talking about, right. you know, when you know that there's a relationship um, and you redefine that relationship. I remember right. Lisa a long time ago, we talked about this and I can't remember, it was in a conversation that we had that you have to define in your relationships who you're on mission with mm-hmm. and who you're on mission for. So mm-hmm. it's, well, I'm not saying you step away from the relationship and go, I cannot be friends with you anymore. We are in a negative cycle and God's trying to get me out. What <laughs> no. I'm trying to say is you, you redefine the relationship. I identify that I'm on mission for this person, but I know that my closest friends, they need to be the people that are pushing me closer to God. And so I think that um, that friendships relationships can be tricky. They are. I, there was a, a quote I read this week by J.C. Ryle. It says, the world is dark and friendship halves our sorrows and it doubles wow. our joy. Mm-hmm. And so they're worth working at. There's some that you have to redefine and then there's some that you really need to work at. And you know, I think just going back to what Lisa said, stepping back, Asking God what you know what He's trying to teach you through this, and then moving forward from there, and then getting great resources, you know, to be yeah. able to do that. And we'll put a couple of resources in the show notes about just how to navigate conflict, how to navigate some of these tensions. Yeah, I have a quote that came to mind. Yeah, um, a friend in need is a friend to be avoided. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only quote I had. So I just thought I would say, thank that's you. A, that's a joke quote. <laughs> that's a joke. That's quote. a joke quote. So I just felt like she had a great quote, and I should have one. So <laughs> a friend in need yeah. is a friend. I'll of write me. that down. Okay. Thank you, down. Natalie. Thank you. Well, she has. There's more where that came. I from. have a lot so, more yeah. um, joke quotes about friends, so I'll save them for another time. I'd love to hear well, some practical mm-hmm. tips you have for navigating those tensions that come up in relationships, mm-hmm. and how you can accept the good along with the bad that comes with being in relationship with people. Mm-hmm. You, you want to jump in? I feel like you have something great no, to say. No, go first. Okay, good. Like that, you prefer one another. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And so really, actually, you know, when I, I think it's grace, grace for people mm. understanding. James and I often talk about me awareness, we awareness in, in marriage, but the truth is the same in friendship. Mm-hmm. It's me awareness, and then it's we awareness, wow. or whoever I'm connected with, mm-hmm. of going, I would know if Pastor Julie is, you know, in a, in a season that she's navigating a lot with Jefferson, that I'm going to extend grace. And so, or if I know that someone is in a situation where they have a lot of financial stress, a friend of mine, that I'm going to extend grace. Yeah. So um, I'm going to actually run it through the grace filter mm-hmm. first so to good. just allow people. And, and I feel like my friends have extended that grace for me. I don't think we can abuse it. If it becomes a pattern that needs to be addressed, then yes, address it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to address everything. I actually mm-hmm. go against my personality in this is that I actually I'm not afraid of conflict because I have a need 
to be right and right standing with someone. So mm-hmm. I will push past that. But the truth is not everything that we feel needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Not right. every tension we have needs to be a conversation. And so I think that's one of the ways to navigate tension is that, again, pulling back, letting God do in you, but knowing that not everything that happens has to be addressed and yeah. have grace. Yeah. I think that's that's so good. You And you're so good at that. You're so good at extending grace to people, um, especially me. I mean, 26 years with me, you've had to extend a lot of grace. But Same way. Um, I think, too, Lisa, that you have um, a couple things that you've modeled that I've noticed is, um, first of all, that with a close friend, you know, um, when you know, you've been very self-aware, you said knee awareness, mm-hmm. when you've known that you're going through a difficult situation, you know, you might say something like, hey, I just want you to know that I've had kind of a rough week. I can't really go into it right now. And I know that's my cue not to pry, you know, mm-hmm. can't really go into it right now. But I just want you to know if I'm a little crispy, you know, that, mm-hmm. that that's why. And, yeah. and it's not you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that has, you've, you've modeled that so beautifully. You've got a lot of, not me, not me, me awareness, <laughs> but you, me awareness. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you've also, one of the things that you've modeled too is, um, just great language when there is t- tension that, um, that you've, uh, one thing I learned from you a long time ago was just the difference between intent and impact mm-hmm. when, when there's tension and someone says something and they say, you know, and, and you've always said, I know that you didn't, mean that wasn't your intent to mm-hmm. say that though mm-hmm. though you know how it that your wasn't your intent to hurt me but I just want you to know when you said this it impacted and it just it's lowers somebody language. else's defenses mm-hmm. in yeah. such a big way so yeah. I think that when there's tension it's not even tension hasn't even gotten to friction yet you know yeah. but you've kept it from going to friction and conflict so many mm-hmm. times because of that right. um the other the the one thing I've thought too is because as she said she you know embraces conflict I in the past I I, I think I'm much better at it now. Um, I've gotten pretty pretty good at it. Um, but just the 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 paradigm shift about what tension is, and mm-hmm. you know, I've shared this before that tension is actually two opposing forces that cause extension. Mm-hmm. And what's extension? But growth. And so when there's right. tension in a relationship, to have that for me, I had to have a paradigm shift that this is actually an opportunity for this relationship or for me for me to either grow personally or to grow in a relationship. And um, and you know, when you think also about tension, um, again, I have to have these pictures because it's like I naturally avoid tension. But when I think about tension being extension, or I think about attention in a good movie, how it's like you're, you know, when there's tension in a good movie and you're like, I can't wait to see what happens. And so Mm -hmm. like you're leaning in. And so it's like, oh, that, that's what this is. This is time for me to lean in and try to lean into what the rest of the story is going to be. So I think that that, you know, that that's been a, a a big paradigm shift for me. The second thing is, is we talk a lot about minding the gap that when tension happens, Mm -hmm. when you're talking about practical Mm -hmm. tools, how to manage tension, that there is a little gap that is created whenever tension comes into a relationship and you have to pay attention to it. If too much time goes by and you can't overlook it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, like you said, not everything has to be addressed, but if it's still bugging you in five days, six days, it probably, you know, the the gap grows wider. So to address things quickly and clearly and, you know, to keep, um, just to keep, 
accounts short and just to be able to go, wow, we just need to to get in there quickly. I think that there's a certain anointing that the Holy Spirit brings when yeah. you're able to address things quickly and in a timely manner. So it's not like, wait a minute, that was three weeks ago. Yeah. I don't remember saying it that way. You know, so I think that's important. And I think too that when you think about friendships and I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. before that, you know, that all relationships in the body of Christ. It's like, it might look different on different legs of the journey, but we're in this for the long haul. Yeah. This is a marathon. We're not, you know, we're not cancel culture. You know, we're like, <laughs> we're going right. to be together for eternity, people. <laughs> so, we, you know, we've got to try our best to get along here because we're going to see each other up there. So going, you know, hey, we're in this for the long haul. So sometimes a little space is okay, you know, and then, but just making sure that you, you kind of going, yeah, I want to make sure that, you know, we're investing for the long haul and that we don't just cut people off. So I love it. I think that's really good. I just want to add that it's never me. It's always them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was going to tell you that. that was, I was, you know, it's it's always, so much alike, it's always Ian. <laughs> no, that's really good what you said, Pastor Julie. And I actually have always said to myself, if I may, I put into practice the Matthew 18 principle that mm-hmm. says, you know, it instructs us to settle our differences mm-hmm. directly mm-hmm. and quickly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, that just kind of diffuses and diminishes anything that, mm-hmm. you know, keeps anything from mm-hmm. escalating. Yeah, so love it. that's yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Um, my question for you, Pastor Lisa, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to other moms? Mm-hmm. I actually should say that these have come from learning, um, from mistakes. I want to start there. So um, first is to um, operate out of faith, not fear. I think in some middle school years with my one of my daughters, I operated out of fear. And usually you just don't parent well. I mean, we know yeah. this in our faith journey is that, um, you know, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But when we see culture or we see behaviors, it, it starts, mm-hmm. we get fearful. Like, what's going right. to happen? Where's this going? How's this going to escalate? You know, and I can, I can definitely circle the drain on all the worst case scenarios really quick. Like, it's a, it's, <laughs> if it were a spiritual gift, you, it, I would have it, but I know it's not a spiritual gift. So, so um, op, you know, really operating out of faith. God loves our kids more than we do. They're, he's pursuing their and their heart more than I am, you know. Um, so that relax. The first few years of parenting, I just was so extra. And I put undue pressure on myself, undue pressure on my kids, and this expectation that just could not be met. And I just needed to relax. So I'd say relax. And then um, my last, which I'm still learning, and I think this would probably be my parenting mantra, is keep the door open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm practicing that of I want to be in the conversation. I don't want to shut myself out of the conversation. And it is um, much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But um, there's uh, just a lot there of going when push comes to shove and life gets hard for my kids, um, no matter what age they are, I want them to go I know who I can go to. Mom. Yeah. My mom. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is very true. And so I hear a lot of things I don't want to hear. Because, <laughs> no, it's not yeah. true. I, I love that my kids, uh, my adult kids, come to me um, with most everything in life. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's laughable. Yeah. Well, we've, we've said, you know, we want, we want the spiritual family mm-hmm. that we're leading in to be the safest place to have the hardest conversation. Yeah. And, but that starts having a home. You know, homes mm-hmm. that wow. are the safest place to have yeah, the, the hardest conversation. And again, you've definitely mm-hmm. modeled this so, so well. I, I would probably tag on to that what she said about parenting from um, faith 
and not fear. Um, I think sometimes as a parent, we have this fear of failure. And, you know, I just want to remind you that, that your kids are not your report card. So whether or not they succeed, whether or not they pass that spelling test or, you know, or make that Mm -hmm. baseball team, they are not your report card. And so I think sometimes we, because we attach so much of our own identity and it's Mm -hmm. so important that we wrestle that to the ground as moms, that, that even though they are an extension of us, you know, I would say they're our heart walking around on the outside of our body. They, they are their own person. And so, um, and, and you are your own person. You have to separate that out so that you don't find your identity in their success or their failure. And I think that that's a, um, a big thing. I remember um, that when uh, Jefferson was three years old and we threw, I, I threw an incredible three-year-old birthday party. It was Veggie Tales. It was, <laughs> I made the cake. I had, I mean, I had everything, just Bob and Larry cake. Amazing. It was incredible. Like <laughs> Actually, you know, you know what? You you throw all parties well. Well, so you've, this you've was, had the Mecca birthday party. This was like Adults wanted to go to his birthday parties. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this one, Lisa, but Jefferson spent the whole time in timeout at his oh. own three-year-old birthday party. And everything was perfect, but it wasn't what Jefferson needed. Mm. And so it wasn't the party. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, he would have rather spent all his time with just us Mm. curled up on the couch watching a movie. And that was such a big lesson to Mm. me about probably my second point would be just choose presence over perfection. And we didn't even have Instagram and everything that there is, social media, everything out there. So no one knew about my Bob and Larry party, but you, Lisa. (laughs) If it was was like now, it would still be living on Instagram. I bet you would have had a... Hundred thousand likes, but but I didn't. We didn't have that. But to be able, you know, for to no matter what, um, what what area to be able to choose presence over perfection, so and to mm-hmm. know, you know, to really find what they need. I think also um, is going. Yeah, you have to decide on what matters most and focus your attention mm-hmm. there. And I think that takes some intentionality as a parent, build in practices around what matters most. I think that, again, I've said this before, I've looked back on my parenting journey and I think about the energy, the negative energy I'm talking about, you know, when Jefferson didn't pass a test or succeed in a certain area or did something, you know, that just, dis- yeah. that was disappointing. Um, it was is that I so much negative energy and things that just don't matter, but the things that matter, you know, his character, the things that um, creating a life giving, creating a place where they can have hard conversations, space for that. Those are the things that matter. And I would just add because anytime I have the microphone, I'm going to add. But you know, if faith is important, if you want to raise your children in a in in a household of faith where faith is going to be a priority, there has to be not just quality time but quantity time in practices that are going to build that into mm-hmm. your child, making well, sure that they're around people, you know, friends that are also, you know, that the, the kids are heading in the same direction, making sure they're coming to church, that, that is a, that's a priority, coming to student ministries and children's ministry. I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. I'm just saying it after 35 years mm-hmm. of watching kids grow up and now having their own kids, I can see generations mm-hmm. of the fruit of staying Planted. Yeah. There is a blessing that comes with with building practices of not just going but staying. Carmen, for all of our single moms, because you're married now, but a yep. lot of your parenting journey was as a single mom, and yes. I would love for you to speak just some words of wisdom over the single moms of our of our house. Absolutely, I can't emphasize enough. Growing up without having Christ in my life, I made me 
make a lot of mistakes, right? So, you know, the best advice I can give any mom in general is always to make sure that your kids are, you know, being raised in the house of the Lord, that they are, you know, church is a non-negotiable. It's not even an option. Secondly, I would, you know, say, teach your kids the way of the Lord. You know, it says, train your child the way they should go and they shall never depart. That's mm-hmm. a promise that I hold on to till yeah. this day, even when my kids, you know, kind of seem to go astray. But the third is model to your kids the ways of the Lord, because I think it's really important what we ourselves do, because we're they're always looking. Mm -hmm. And even though they may not be listening, you know, they can learn from what we're doing and we can't emphasize and do biblical teachings and always a teaching lesson if we're not modeling what, you know, it it should look Mm -hmm. like. So I think that's my three pieces of advice. That is so good, Carmen. And you know, Lisa, you have raised actually two teenage girls. And I know that we have a lot of moms of teenagers and we have a lot of teenagers listening to the podcast. Any words that you can give? Because in this culture, you know, this culture that we live in, and I don't have to go into all the details of, of what it's like, but in the culture that we're living in, just some, maybe some just power advice for some moms out there? Well, my second go around of raising a teenage girl, I've made the decision, you will have to understand who you are in Christ (laughs) to raise these girls. You know, you have to know. And if you don't know, you will soon find out. You're like... It is, I am a child of God, you know, so. (laughs) A daughter of the king. A daughter of the king. But one of the things, the beauty is, as my oldest is 26 and my youngest daughter is 16, so I have a 10-year gap of learning what what things I did incorrectly with my firstborn, Alex, and my last, Addie, and that is all around body image. I think a lot of things I would encourage, especially in our culture, Mm -hmm. um, social media culture, but Palm Beach County culture, and those Mm -hmm. that are listening across, it isn't just Palm Beach County, it's across the world, the culture around how we look, but a lot of diet language, body Mm -hmm. language, talking, um, um, and just presenting, keeping a little bit of my insecurities to myself and not being verbal about them. And I noticed the difference between my two girls Mm. um, and their confidence level around body. Um, And so I just think that that would be a very important thing, raising girls in this culture. Wow, that's so good. Really that great. great. Um, you know, Natalie, it really wasn't that long ago that you were a teenager. Yeah, I can remember. So, yeah. <laughs> You're, um, how old are you now? 27. 27. So um, just a few years out of your teenage years. Mm-hmm. So when you were a, a teenager or, or maybe even college, how did you, you know, in the culture that we're just describing here that's so consumed with body right. image and, and image itself, um, how did you stay confident in who you were created to be? And did you encounter any maybe not so sweet mm. sisters out there? Oh yes, <laughs> and I, it's so hard to stay grounded when there are so many opinions that you let into your life. And I think right now we have so many outlets that those opinions can get in, mm. um, especially with social media that we can be listening to. But um, I would say first thing is you can't run from people because they're everywhere. Um, so those not so sweet sisters will probably show mm-hmm. up in other places in your life. I remember thinking like, if I just graduate high school and make it out. And I remember one day at college calling my mom in tears and be like, why are girls so mean? Yeah. And of not so sweet sisters will probably be everywhere, but it doesn't have to be you. That it doesn't have to be oh, us. I love it. Yeah. Um, and right. I, I don't have to be everyone's best friend and everyone probably will not like me, but... I feel like we're all united in the sense that we've all felt alone right? and by ourselves. And we're probably, you know, walking down the hallway at school 
three feet away from someone else who's also feeling alone and like no one sees them and no one likes them. And we can take the initiative to go to people and be Jesus to the people around us. So I would just say, look for those people who look alone and feel alone. If you look alone and you feel alone um, and take the first step in initiating that. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That is good. It's been a while since I've been a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a minute. Yeah. So uh, speaking of confidence, um, I would like to know, either one of you ladies can answer this, but how do you balance being confident but also keeping humility? Mm. Yeah, I think this is like the age-old question about yeah. being, when you're a woman in leadership, leading in any capacity, mm-hmm. that that tension that we have between right. confidence and humility, confident humility. You know, I think that there's, first of all, I mean, I'm not saying I have this mastered, but I think that, first of all, is taking a really good look at both. You know, so when we're talking about, you've got to be confident in who you are, in your, in your identity. And one of the ways to build confidence is to really have a, a mindset that you're going to basically eliminate competition because comparison is, you know, it it is the biggest um, enemy to our confidence because when we constantly compare, we, we will always either come up short or we're going mm. to, you know, we're going to end up thinking that we're better than. Right. So it's either going to produce, you know, pride or it's going to produce our low self-esteem. And so either way, we lose, right? And so it's eliminating competition. And then I think also it's having a mindset, a changing our mindset to have an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. Wow. And this, I'm speaking right now to who we are. So being that that we become women that are confident and you know, generosity is life-giving, yeah. right? When we when we are generous, it produces life. It does not it does not deplete from us. It does not um, it does it never subtracts, it only adds. And so when we have an abundance mindset and we're we're constantly being generous with our words, generous with opportunities for other women, that we don't look at, you know, an opportunity that somebody else gets as something that's being taken away from me. But we go, there is a lot of opportunity. And right. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the one that creates an environment of generosity. So I think that there is a, you know, that, and that also builds into our humility because mm-hmm. when we're actually generous and preferring others, that builds into our humility. Right. Um, I think that's, you know, that that's talking about who we are, but I think in, in our confidence as leaders and in our vocation, I think it's important for you to know who you are, but it's also important in your vocation, in your excitement to know what to do. Right. Yeah. There's something about when you are leading that there is a certain confidence that comes with competence. So mm, when you really have good. the skills, when you work hard, when you have a spirit of excellence, our confidence in what we do and how we lead, it comes through competence. And so, you know, when we're talking about confidence, I think it's important to ask yourself the question, you know, am I building in, am am I going to build in the skills that I need to be the best at what, to be the best I can be at the job that I've been given? Am I going to do it with a spirit of excellence? Am I going to give it my all? And I had a conversation last night with some, with some young leaders and we were talking about the fact that sometimes a blow to our confidence comes when we see others get opportunities that that we wish that we had. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things in our culture is we're always looking to the next thing, to yeah. the to the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. What does God want? You know, and I, I find myself asking this question, you know, what do you see, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself mm-hmm. in three years? Well, maybe what God wants us to do is to is to is to become the best 
to become the most competent, to become confident and humble right in the place that we are. So and to and to and to extend our leadership not just vertically, but horizontally, and to be able to bring as many people along with us as we can. Because I think that that when we do that, um, when when we do that, that when we bring others along, it builds into our confidence and so it builds into our humility. And then I'd probably say finally on the humility part, I think if you are someone that is in the spotlight or if you are given um, front stage leadership or you are acknowledged often for um, for mm-hmm. what you get to what you get to do um, for the skill sets and the gift sets that you have there is I used to think that humility came when something happened that humiliated you <laughs> or that humbled you, you know, and, and I just kind of waited for the other shoe to drop. You know, sometimes wow. it was like, you know, I know that something's going to happen that's, that I'm just going to be humbled and I just need to, you know, and, and that does happen. Life has enough of that, yes. but there is something that we can do to build into our own humility. And that really is hidden service, wow. that there are things that we all need to do that we do because nobody knows about them but Jesus. That's great. That's and a good word. only because he is pleased and that he says, well done, is the only applause, the only affirmation that we need. And again, that builds into confidence and humility at the same time. And I think that that is something that we're not, and again, in the, in the social media age we live in, that's not very much applauded, but I think it's very important in answering that question, how do we manage that tension? You know, knowing you and be doing life and ministry, raising our kids together for 25 plus years, as you were speaking about this, this is some things you practically have done and modeled is how to operate in both of these. And mm-hmm. so if I would say one of the things I've been mentored by you most, but it wasn't a mentoring talk, was how you live and walk this out. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that you say, which is in language, this is practical, is, Lisa, you don't, uh, there's nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. There's so much to share. And probably wow. plenty of y'all heard, heard her say that to you, which is very much she's giving confidence Right. Because we most of the time operate in like, mm-hmm. I'm not enough, but confidence and humility going hand in hand. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. But I think that is, that's the balance. It's like you have nothing to prove, but you have so much mm-hmm. to share. Mm-hmm. And that is a coined phrase yeah. by you, I believe. So thank you mm-hmm. for investing in all of us in that way. I'd like to think it was just me, but I know, <laughs> I know you did it. It's good. Well, I, I, you know, I think that's like such the heart of our sisterhood too. You know, yeah. when I say sisters stay strong when they stick together, I'm not just talking about, you know, physically or relationally mm-hmm. strong, but spiritually strong, that, that there is something that we can do for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, God wants to breathe confidence into us, but yes, we get to echo God's voice over each other's lives. And that is going to bring a confidence. And, you know, it kind of goes back to our vision that, Lisa, from the very beginning, we wanted to create a place mm-hmm. where girls could, you know, walk in confidence in their calling, connected to a sisterhood that's going to champion them and not right, compete yeah. with them. And then collectively, that we could all be a part of something that's bigger and greater than ourselves. Beautiful. So Absolutely. I think it's amazing. And I can't wait for everyone to get to hear from you. <laughs> 
Wow, that was such an amazing conversation. And I am so grateful that I get to do life and do ministry with you all. You know, we say a lot around here that sisters stay strong when they stick together. And I am stronger because of you and so many other girls that we get to do life with. Hey, if you're listening, um, we have a couple of things that are coming just around the corner that are gonna help you stay strong and help you to stick together. And we have our sisterhood night on either Thursday night, May 5th, or Friday night, May 6th. If you're here in South Florida, you can join us at one of our locations. Or if you're watching online, we're going to be streaming online. So make sure you check it out. And we also are going to be kicking off some really great summer groups that we're going to be having podcast parties and groups that you can be a part of to just really have some meaningful conversation around the conversations that we're having as a sisterhood. And to find out more about Sisterhood Night or more about the podcast groups, you can text the word sisterhood to 441 441 and you can find all the information there. Hey, we love you ladies and we can't wait to get with you next time. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, sogoodsisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.